visit RTI on the web at english.rti.org.tw. This is Radio Taiwan International. Thanks so much for joining us today. Up ahead this hour, we bring you a selection of Taiwanese pop music on Jukebox Republic. But as always, we're starting things off with a brand new edition of Here in Taiwan. Welcome to Here in Taiwan. If you're just joining us now on our Facebook live stream, which we've just begun, today is Friday, the 16th of April. Uh, otherwise, if you're joining us via the wonderful world of shortwave, it's already Monday, the 19th. I'm John Van Trieste, and joining me in the studio today, we've got Shirley Lin. Hello. And Stash Butler. Hello. Up next, we'll be talking passport power, specifically how good Taiwan's passport is. Not that anyone's doing much traveling these days, <laughs> but you know, we still like to brag. And also, we'll be telling you about a Taiwanese snack food that's made international headlines lately, plus two more Taiwanese indigenous languages land their own Wikipedias. All that coming up next. Please stick around. Well, these days, the only uh, really powerful passport out there is Pfizer and Moderna, I would say, or maybe uh, AstraZeneca. Well, yeah, but, probably uh, not so much anymore, yeah. If uh, you, but uh, in the days before COVID, and I suppose if it ever ends afterwards, Taiwan's passport is pretty good yeah. when we're looking at it from a global perspective. Yeah, that's right. So there's been a recent survey by uh, the Henley Passport Index uh, for this first quarter of 2021. Um, did you read the story? By Do you know what, I've, what the number was? I think I've was? read it in the past. I'm fascinated by this organization because like it does sound yeah. they seem to have one job that, and they just do it once every year <laughs> yeah like how how I'd like that great. can I land that I want that job yeah just analyze oh and they're building up to it the whole year yeah well actually I have a friend sorry going a little tangent I have a friend who runs a Christmas cracker business oh I know you don't have you Christmas do, crackers I've in seen them you know what crackers. they are right you, they're kind of the you things pull them apart oh, the pull, yeah yeah, okay, yeah. There's things in the but like, so imagine you know, you have one thing you do one thing a year and it's only you, it's uh, where you make all yeah, your money it's all there yeah well here they are yeah the Henley Passport Index Okay. What number was Taiwan's passport? Uh, well, you already told me, so I'm not going to Oh, okay. <laughs> Shirley, did, did I tell you? Um, or do you remember? from the? Did you read the article? Something about 30. Yeah, it is 30. Okay, fine. You read that. So that wasn't a surprise. <laughs> I only read the headline. Taiwan's, it's a surprise to the rest of us. It's a surprise to everyone else. Um, Taiwan's passport, yeah, ranked 30th strongest in the world. And that means number of countries, to be clear, because I think it's a bit confusing. It includes not just countries that are visa-free, but also visa on arrival. Is that right? Uh, I think it's just visa-free. Uh, okay. It says visa-free here, so I, I'd go with that. It says uh, they ranked 199 passports, which is interesting because that's more than the number of UN members. Well, they have some um, like dependency passports or like, like I know if you're from like American Samoa, you get, it says US national, not citizen. Like right. there's lots of different, yeah. uh, sort of different kinds of passports. And obviously Taiwan is in there as a, a non-UN member, uh, but it's actually doing very well f for that, you know. Yeah. Um, so Taiwan is 30th. Uh, what do you think is first? It's definitely like Norway or New Zealand it, or Canada. It's or actually Sweden. not, interestingly. No, it's not one of the Nordics or oh. New Zealand. It's a, always those countries. Yeah, the, just, they just have the everything. Double ends, as I call them. Um, Germany. 
Germany's up there. It's actually Japan. Japan. Japan, Japan is the top spot. Yeah. Oh. Next, again, not, not not a Nordic, not one of the usual suspects, is Singapore. Oh. Um, yeah. So they can go to a hundred. So Japan can go to 193 destinations. So that's not just countries, but territories as well. Uh, without a visa, uh, Singapore just one behind, nearly there. Singapore with 192, uh, followed by South Korea and Germany. So Germany mm. is up there. Mm. Um, uh, and then you, yeah, the rest of the top 10 are Norway, Greece, Malta, and the Czech Republic. I knew Norway was going to get in there. Yeah, interesting though. Gre- <laughs> Greece, I don't know. I don't know why Greece or Malta. They're popular people. Uh, maybe they are, just, you know, they make a lot of <laughs> they friends. Have a lot of, yeah. They go traveling. They have big weddings. Yeah. It's <laughs> oh, <laughs> a right. key feature, Maybe yeah. Lots of movies people too. Invite lots of people to your weddings. Yeah, um, I to go. I so, go someday. Yeah, just Taiwan's doing very well. I mean, because this is, this is out of 199 passports. So what is that? You know, that's like top. Top 15%, well, actually 15th percentile. Um, right. Pretty good. Uh, least desirable passport. What's your guess? It's always uh, the same. It's like the Nordics on the top, and it's always the same group on the bottom, too. Yeah. Um, what, what do you think? I saw a video about the exact subject yesterday. Oh, okay. So I'm not going to say it. What do you oh. think is uh, the, 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 the passport that gets you least access to countries around the world? Afghanistan. Yes. Afghanistan oh. is only no, 26. Sure. Yeah, that's a, guess. that's a good guess. Uh, and that's followed by Iraq and Syria. Right. Um, so all of these countries... I just, by a sheer coincidence, happened to be watching a YouTube channel about a guy who's been to every country in the world who shares his experiences. Oh, really? Talks oh. to other world frequent travelers. Oh. Where's this guy from? From Taiwan? No. no um, is he from Japan? No, he's from the U.S. I think he's from easier. the U.S. I'm actually not right. totally sure. Yeah. And he talks about crazy getting visa stories. Mm. Oh, I can understand. So... I can guess... Yeah, it's saying, uh, also, actually, interestingly, Hong Kong's passport has risen from 20th to 17th in their rankings. So that's, uh, yeah. That's interesting. Rising. Um, and the American and British passports have both slightly slipped in the, in recent yeah. years. I wonder why they're, yeah, I don't know, reputation, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, mm. alongside in seventh place. So there, there you go. I can get to most of the countries I want to pretty easily, so whatever yeah well it's like i had a friend from uh who's from who had a serbian passport and then it, it meant that she could get visa-free access to china which yeah and that, oh. I, that's true um okay and i know that unlike that unlike you know uh, when i travel with taiwanese people to thailand i can get in without a visa they need one so. oh yeah, yeah yeah but actually with e-visas now a lot of countries it's not even that difficult you pay and purchase the thing at home yeah and then they don't even put it in your passport. It's just you get a regular stamp. They just take your paper that yeah. says you've paid with your credit card. Yeah. It's not even a thing. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's pretty... the future. Anyway. How many passports do you guys have? Well, I mean, or had owned I... before or whatever? You mean like nationalities like, or yeah. how many have we gone through in our life cycle? Because <laughs> they uh, expire. No, no. I meant like nationality. I only have one. I have two. I have a Polish passport as well. Oh, okay. What yeah, about I you? Used to, I think you feel like you have a very high number. I used to have a Hong Kong passport. I used to have a Japanese passport, but not anymore. Japan makes you give up your nationality if you're a dual citizen after a certain age. Um, so yeah. I, you have to choose. I've been honestly saying something. To uh, <laughs> when did you make that choice? Keep, I started to keep it. Huh? Oh, well, I, no, I didn't know. What, did, did Japanese Japanese one, yeah, just expire. Usually or? it's like when you yeah, become well, an adult, you have to make, a, what I understand is from people who I know who are dual Japanese and other nationals is that they have oh, to. Oh, I didn't know that, but I've just lived in Japan for seven years. Right. And, um, but I kept it after I left that country <sighs> until, Shh. yeah, you, I know, right. Now, are, you sure it wasn't listening. A, are you sure it wasn't a right to return passport? Because that's separately issued to foreign nationals. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, oh, because, yeah. you know, unless you're, unless you're, your parents are Japanese, you don't no. get citizenship. No. Or you're naturalized. 
No. Anyway, we're talking a lot about esoteric well, things. <laughs> yeah, I was interested in Hong Kong, actually. Whoa. Yeah, I don't know what I did with the uh, Hong Kong ID card. <laughs> yeah. but, um, Too many passports all getting lost, you yeah. know. Yeah. Oh, should I read some comments here? Yeah. yeah. Okay, so we've got Asif Ali, Douglas North, and Elvis Alicia Nengezi joining us. So uh, Asif Ali says, hi, everyone. Douglas North, hi, everybody. And um, Elvis uh, Alicia Nengezi is joining us from... Kampala? Uganda. Yeah. Oh, okay. Mm. I don't know my geography. Sorry. Yeah, <laughs> For someone with three passports, you're not doing very well. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> anyway, and there's also Keisha Amore joining us and Jen Delari. She waved. And Christine Feline. Um, also, uh, Hemant Kumar from India. Hi. And, yeah, and Debashi Gop. Um, and Jen Delari says, and that just got broadcast. Oh, oh. <laughs> Uh, it's probably your comment about yeah, the, uh, the Japanese passport. I know. I said not Everyone to say, knows anyway. now. And then Joshua Buendia from the Philippines. Hello. And Debashi Gop. Oh, I already said that. Yes. And Bender, Bader Hassad Verma. So I'm sure we have a lot of people Anja. with a lot of pla- wow. passports out there. Yeah, <laughs> quite exactly. a variety. Yeah. Right. Let Thank you so know. much for joining us. Tell us how powerful your, you think your passport is. <laughs> So a few days ago, I was just like surfing the internet and I realized that suddenly, this is weird, um, this very common Taiwanese practice is suddenly something that all the international media outlets are talking about. And it's not a new thing. It's I, been like this for a while. I know, for like how many centuries? We talk about it every year when Ghost Month comes around because exactly. it's especially associated with that type of year. But for whatever reason, all of the foreign media are suddenly going crazy about this Taiwanese snack. I don't know. Maybe because, you know, just because there's so much attention put on Taiwan with the fact that we've done so well contained COVID. I, who knows? And so then everybody started studying up on Taiwan. Yeah. Oh, maybe Taiwan. it's, a, maybe Taiwan it's like a lighthearted <laughs> like, counterbalance to all the heavy cross-strait oh, issues. Yeah, yeah you've possibly, got it. And yeah. here's something funny that they do there. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, this is about a type of snack that I would describe as sort of a, a type of Cheeto, except that they have yeah. very sweet flavors in addition to savory ones. Right. It is called... Well, actually, in BBC, they call it a crisp, a corn crisp. But actually, we call it corn puff. We, uh, we yeah, like we <laughs> us Brits oh. say crisps instead of chips. So, I mean, but it's not really a chip. It's not really a chip. A puff, right. a puff yeah, is a good a description. It's a puff. A puff. Yeah. Okay. A puff. So anyway, it's called guai guai, mm. which actually, if you translate it um, into English, it means like Let's be good, like. Um, goody two shoes, like you know, it's good something kid. you say to and young young children and animals to tell them that they should need to behave. Mm. Behave, good. That's it. Behave. Um, now, um, so it's gosh, I don't know where to start about the story because it's just really amazing. They um, actually came with uh, three flavors, but it's the green. I mean, not a green. The coconut sweet flavored that comes corn in a green package. That comes in green package. That is very popular among like high tech companies. You know, like to put on like cash uh, cashiers. On all the machinery you can think of, okay? So they because place it's like, the actual bag of this snack. They don't eat it. Um, <laughs> they just leave it there as sort of a good luck charm. Right. You're not supposed to eat it because then it loses its protective guarantee. That's what this article said. Right. Mm. And so um, because green light, it's like, um, you know, like keep going. Yeah. Um, the you want the machine not to crash, <laughs> but to keep functioning the way it's supposed to. If it was red, it would just, that's yeah. what right. associate with. Mm. There is a red packet. What's the flavor for that? I think it's chocolate. I don't think it's very popular. Right. And wow. then there's another one that's like a yellow. So that's not good too. Yeah. Mixed signals. Alert. Slowing uh, no. things yeah. down. Yeah. And so, but the green one is really popular. And it's funny because um, apparently 
they're studying into this, and it seemed like, actually sometimes people are really complex how this came about. But apparently it, there was a student in IT, and he was working on his thesis, but his computer kept crashing. So then he thought, wow, you know, maybe I need to have like a lucky charm <laughs> to make sure the machine keeps going. And so he Ooh. actually thought of guai guai because the character means behave. And so he thought, well, let me get a pack and put it by my computer. And truly, the computer did not crash. And he finished his thesis and he was able to graduate. I, th- I always assumed it was some kind of a marketing thing like no like there you know, was, it was never you know how, yeah. didn't start off that way you know how like in taiwan we have another custom that's of, of barbecuing during the autumn and that was started by a commercial by a soy sauce company that wanted to sell more soy sauce to put on the menu. oh really so like yeah. all of these weird things we do mm. are usually something some company came up with it mm. so i'm surprised right that that's the story well um no, apparently myth, this uh, company that made a snack uh it was actually a father and daughter um, duo and um, they just uh, they meant for for children a snack for children right and so they came with those three flavors mm. you know and 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 there was that one just sweet flavored but it was just really interesting yeah um, that's been going on for years I don't know why all of a sudden that's not a new thing people right. have been doing that for a long and time and we're talking now. about banks and labs and hospitals and I should ask my daughter if he's, if she's seen a lot of um, these green bags of the snack in the hospital she works at mm. I've, heard that, I've heard that some of our technical staff uses them we near do. our equipment we and should have them you know we should put it on the they, Mevo they probably if we look around probably I'm someone sure in there are in this building somewhere. somewhere and I don't know if the story reports on it but I remember writing a story of maybe a year or two ago about satellites that were built in Taiwan and before launch they were shipped with these in the Wow! Over to make sure that they would stay functional. (laughs) It's a very superstitious thing for sort of logical thinking engineers to be taking part in. It didn't go up to space with the the satellite. No, that would be a real big promotion for the company. That would be the first corn crisps to be launched into space. But I remember I was like at a, um, a forum or something and then I was looking up and then you know how they have these projectors like way up, you know, right hanging Uh, from the ceiling. Yeah, and then I thought, Wait a minute, what? Do I see something green up there? <laughs> sure enough, I mean, that ceiling with that projector way up behind the ceiling, they even put a guai guai so, bag. So somebody must have cl- had to have climbed a ladder to <laughs> yeah. put it up there to make sure oh, it wouldn't. God. I know. You're not supposed to eat it because, no. yeah, so, it, like empty bags of this green, you know, uh, green bags. I mean, empty green bags of this snack no won't work. work. They must contain their original content. Do, do, what also, if you have rats? Sure you know, like oh, the, there was, there was the rats a mention about this. There was a mention about this. They say they make sure that they keep these packs in like boxes. I don't know what kind of boxes. You know, I want to say paper boxes, like cardboard boxes won't do. Yeah. Metal boxes. You want, Can we or say like a, like a Tupperware kind of box. Those right. rodents here in yeah. RTI. Uh, and mm, if you keep them learned. in paper boxes, they don't do it. They, so, cut, they bite right through it. So, yeah. So, at these pl- at some places, they're smart enough to keep them in, like, tin boxes right. or, you know, these yeah, Besides wooden com- boxes. Besides IT and sort of tech industry equipment, they also often appear seasonally around the ghost month because we want the ghosts to receive nice offerings, <laughs> but to kind of keep their distance from us. They want them just to be well-behaved. Right. So, they also yeah. show up on offering tables Right. During the ghost month, especially and in also, the summertime, I think it's like two, uh, you know, like auspicious occasions during the year. What the other one besides Ghost Month is Chinese New Year's. I've never seen mm. them come out of Chinese New Year. Yeah, but I don't. I'm sure want. everything comes out of Chinese New Year. You know. <laughs> so yeah, those are the two significant, and you want to make sure they don't expire because so they change it every time. They always keep a pack. 
if you go to like banks and companies and labs know. and all that companies they they keep it back there but you have to make sure it doesn't expire because it expired means it expires it's uh. Yeah, it's, no it's protected. It goes to red. You have to periodically refresh the right. <laughs> and that's supposed to, well, so then you can only eat the expired ones. No, oh, oh no, <laughs> I hope not. not. Yeah. Just the other flavors. Just I think. Get, yeah, just the other flavors. I don't know. Um, I've heard of like pilots using them on their planes. It's it's every, it's oh, a real it's thing. It's like a real thing. It's become yeah. a real thing. And, so, and I'm not sure. Again, like this is years. Oh, this is very. This has yeah. been very much going on Decades, for a long time. Mm-hmm. Any of us could have told you that. I'm not sure why <laughs> suddenly everyone's in on this. Right now, someone was mentioned in this article, someone Taiwanese, and she was saying that her father and her grandfather really believed in this 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 thing. And she's saying like, why do people do it? Because people either believe it or don't believe it, but because it won't hurt to try it, yeah. they say might as well, you know. So that's the thing, and just it, it's oh, become a Tommy's tradition. Taiwan strange edible good luck charm, <laughs> right? To be fair, it is the only edible luck charm I've ever heard of. Yeah. So it is a bit strange. Yeah. It, it is, it isn't. Oh, um, yeah, let's see what people are saying about that. Um, it says, Debashi Gob, Artia always green. Yeah, we're always on we're a go. We're always green, yeah. Yeah, we don't crash. <laughs> <laughs> and um, Christine Feline says, In our company, it is always present every month for the prayers, like like an offering. Oh, yeah. are you in Taiwan? Well, hmm. like twice a month dr- during the lunar month. Yeah, it's oh. common to give offerings like, and, for the and, gods, leaving okay. them on a little, little altar. And Jen Delari was answering somebody else who left a comment here. Says some of my favorite food is Romanian. So I guess people are sharing all their different kinds of. Um, oh no, I'm sorry. Um, it was talking about the first pro- um, story that Away we were talking about from, the passports. Yeah, passports. Right, right. And also we have um, Kimi Egg uh, joining us. Hello there. And Douglas North says, I should order some. I could use some luck. Mm. <laughs> you probably can. <laughs> right. They're very readily available at any convenience store or supermarket here. <laughs> and um, Christine Feline, she said... Um, Actually, she's been six years here in Taiwan. Yeah. Oh, so you're in Taiwan. And she said, I feel so lucky to eat all by myself. Thank God it's not expired. (laughs) Lots of laughs. Okay. All right. All right. Well, um, about two years ago, we broke a story about uh, Wikipedia adding for the first time ever an indigenous Taiwanese language. And I actually went on to do an interview with some of the people behind it. Uh, It's really important because these languages are in a lot of cases threatened. Um, There are 16 officially recognized ones. That's a lot of languages that uh, could be potentially in danger. Mm. And Wikipedia is a good place not just to record them, but to have people who do speak the language or are learning it uh, be able to use it in real ways. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, Two more languages have joined them now. And this was in March, but it's just sort of come out. Uh, These are Atayal and Siddiq, which are, I think, closely related. Um, And that brings, as of press time, the total number of Wikipedia languages to 321. I thought there were a lot more, but... Um, 321's not bad yeah but then you get ones in there that are kind of like, like yeah like pirate or kind of yeah, like, yeah. Or like upside down yeah pig latin yeah and do, I mean do you, going on a kind of Wikipedia tangent do you, do you remember that one about how they found out that the Scots Wikipedia was just all written by an American yeah, teenager yeah yeah making it up do you remember it's like really? yeah and he didn't it's even speak fake. Scots and he, was, just like... he was just translating word for word which obviously you just can't do and it's just yeah it's a disaster <laughs> anyway this is not the case of yes. these, these new languages Klingon Klingon whatever. yeah I, I bet um, so uh, but actually you know these are much more than those relatively small or inactive ones we're talking already 2,400 entries in a tile 
and 1,337 in Sidiq. And um, they're saying a fourth one, Amis, which is, I think, by far the most widely spoken. Yeah, I think it's population-wise. Yeah, biggest population-wise, at least, um, yeah. In terms of uh, indigenous population. Uh, That could be on their... Soon, I guess they're oh. in talks with uh, them because Wikimedia, the Wikimedia Foundation, has to look into how many users, what potential community might be mm. there before they approve anything, mm. um, set up a domain or whatever. Yeah, um, it's interesting. This whole thing is not is not totally done on a grassroots level. It's it's being organized by the Ministry of Education in conjunction with National Jungju University. They've been do- working on this indigenous language Wikipedia project for six years. So it's taken a while. Wow. So far, only three. Oh, um, yeah. I mean, they, is it kind of like, is it take your, you know, languages are queuing up for this? Are they working on all of them simultaneously? Well, I guess if you have thousands of articles to translate and a small number of speakers. Yeah. It was interesting. I think I read in that, in, in the article about how they focused on like, was it famous people first? Yes, yeah. and this was what because I, I went through the entire catalog of Saki Zaya language yeah. Wikipedia articles before the interview. <laughs> yeah, at the time, what there was, and they were all like famous football players, politicians, foreign, names, like uh, yeah, from abroad. Okay, yeah, the names of countries, and also um, things specific to that culture. So Saki Zaya festivals, mm. other things that. And because those are just, first of all, there's they are readily available in other languages. So mm. the volunteers, the people involved in the project can just translate them over, right. having to create their own content. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the other things are things that they know anyway. Right. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, it's kind of a random approach. There's no yeah. real rules. I mean, where do you start with, you know, like this encyclopedia of all human knowledge, knowledge right. essentially? And um, I mean, it is, there are a lot of hurdles to this. I mean, a lot of, according to this article, I didn't know this. Uh, most of the writing systems currently in use, the official orthographies Mm. for these languages were only put in place in 2005 and large numbers of people, even those who speak these languages, can't really write in them properly. Yeah. Yeah. The spelling rules and all that. It wasn't taught until that many years ago. Yeah. it's interesting. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I actually, uh, I did an interview recently, uh, actually out today, find it on the RTY website. <laughs> uh, promotion. Yeah, for my program, The, uh, the Download. Uh, I interviewed a man uh, from the website, language learning website, Glossica, and he was actually kind of, he talks a lot about, I mean, his platform actually allows like these rare languages to uh, they can put themselves on it as long as they can provide all the material right. they go on it and they're free so he, they have a premium level on that website for mm-hmm. for learning things but if you're not in a national language then it's free a minority language yeah can... and um uh but he's saying that you know a lot of what he does as a kind of linguist is figuring out kind of writing systems and like how to transcribe them but right but yeah with some but, of these languages they don't have them or they've, well, or they've only been invented they're recently new. And, yeah and a lot of the speakers are older yeah they didn't learn it in school yeah they only, it's an oral language exactly. right. yeah. so He's there's a, no yeah. and so in 2016 there was actually a report commissioned by our council of indigenous peoples looking at native language proficiency for indigenous people they had more than 20,000 people from all 16 groups and the two languages we're talking about today like First of all, only 27% or so of Sadiq people could could read their, mm. their own language mm, 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 mm. and less than 12% knew how to write it, like the spelling. Mm. The, but could they, could, how, what, did it say anything about speaking? No, in that, in that I think figure? we're talking about, you know, fluent native speakers, of which there are fewer and fewer. Yeah. Um, yeah Tile yeah. was only 26% could read, less than 5% could write. So wow. that's a, it's a real uh, challenge. Also, they have to reinvent a lot of indigenous words because there's a lot of terms for which there is no yeah, translation. Yeah. And how do they go about doing that? And that's one of the questions I had that I wasn't a bit not happy oh. about with my interview when mm. I did that with them, because they didn't really explain didn't to me, like, 
like it's one thing for a group of speakers to, to decide we're going to call a computer this but if the rest of the community doesn't accept that then mm. it's just kind of a made-up word isn't it yeah but i guess that's how a lot of like these things start i guess you know with like hebrew and stuff they must have had to go right. through that but they too. have a long written history of yeah. biblical they have a whole bible you yeah know, no computers in the Testament. bible but yeah <laughs> i mean yeah. but these people have to come on a with a you know yeah acceptable words yeah. that everyone can understand carte blanche yeah and it's a tough project they're doing good work yeah. uh, check it out I hope that Amis is not far behind yeah well that does it today for us here at RTI's uh, here in Taiwan I've just forgotten the name of our program <laughs> I'm John Ventriest I'm Shirley Lin and I'm Stash Butler stay tuned for more of Shirley on Jukebox Republic Welcome to Jukebox Republic. I'm Shirley Lin. I'm going to share my thoughts on a couple of news stories that's popped up uh, last week. One is, and it's funny that I talked about Ang Lee in March, but he just got the BAFTA Fellowship Award uh, this past week. I think he's liked by many, many people, not just in Taiwan, because he's just a super talented and a very humble filmmaker. And he made a really humble speech saying things like he feel really honored to be counted among such brilliant filmmakers. And he called Britain a second film school when he was directing Sense and Sensibility in 1995, and so on and so on. But anyway, let's, um, I, I just want to say that he's a great example for us, for all of us. So this song is called Bang Yang, Example, Good Example, by Huang Dejiang. <laughs>
Yeah, 榜样, 榜样, sorry, 榜样 means a model, uh, means a good example. So I'm talking about Ang Lee. You know, he just got the BAFTA Fellowship Award last week. And so just uh, he's my model. He's my hero. Um, you're listening to Jukebox Republic. I'm Shirley Lin, and I'm just going to comment on a few uh, news stories on the light side, you know, that I uh, read about or heard about last week. And this was one of them. So, you know, in fact, uh, I was just watching an acceptance speech made by Ang Lee, but this was back in uh, 2016 for receiving the Britannia Award for Brokeback Mountain. And there he was again showing his humble side by saying something like after Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, and Hulk, he was tired, so he said he filmed Brokeback Mountain while half asleep because he said that the young people on his cast are all such talented people, they pretty much did it on their own without him contributing much to it. Yeah, when I was watching them and hearing him talk, I got teary-eyed. I did. What else did Ang Lee say receiving the BAFTA this time? Well, he also said that when he was directing Sense and Sensibility, his English was still very poor, so he spoke in very short sentences. He said he tried to communicate using concise, direct, and honest comments. Then he made a joke, saying that the cast was competing to see who would get the most rude remark from him. I'm sure it's very hard for him to be rude to anyone. He said it was after Sense and Sensibility that he dared himself to venture into other themes, which gave him the courage to expand his horizon and open his heart. Wow, that is amazing. He's, I think, I think he's putting a lot of thanks you know, for making or for for everybody who made Sense and Sensibility possible. Anyway, he said that filmmaking is about the courage to open ourselves to truth through storytelling, sight and sound reflected on a silver screen. He said that's how he connected with the world, and that's what he loves doing. Now, Hugh Grant was the one who presented the award to Ang Lee, well, virtually, uh, online. And then, um, and, and really, Ang Lee has, you know, really directed a wide range of films. Now, Hugh Grant, so Hugh Grant said, it's impossible to imagine that one man directed them all. It's true. Hugh also joked, saying that Taiwan is known for cloning science, and he's convinced that half a dozen cloned Ang Lees live in Taiwan. I don't know about that, though. Recently, I interviewed someone who has written books about Ang Lee, and she's an American living in Taiwan. I'm not going to be a spoiler, but I learned that there is a common theme in almost all the movies that Ang Lee has made. I would love one day to meet the humble man myself, even if it's just to get a peek of him, you know. But I just want to just hear him talk, if he talks at all. <laughs> he, I don't think he talks much, but he's always so quiet and gentle and humble when he speaks. Anyway, um, my impression is that he only speaks the essentials. Yeah, he only says, you know, no rubbish. He only says what's important. So I found this song um, about movies. It's called Ni Han Wo the Ding, a movie of you and me by Chen Xiaoxia. Chu 
I like the traditional Chinese musical instrument touch in that song just now. Anyway, um, the next thing that bothered me in the news last week, though, is uh, uh, about the ongoing drought in southern Taiwan, or rather like the, 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 the southern half of Taiwan. Um, it's really sad to see the famous Sun Moon Lake, which is actually the biggest body of water on the island, has exposed its cracked, dry bottom. I mean, places are like exposed, you know, the bedrocks and uh, and actually it's turned green, you know, because grass has started growing, moss has started growing. Um, it's unheard of, you know, for me, who has been back in town 30 years to hear, you know, the Sun Moon Lake going, you know, like waterless. Yeah. And when I heard last month how visitors to the place had to walk these ramps to the docks to get in these boats that cruise, you know, that you, you know, give you cruises on the lake, that it was almost hazardous for elderly people to walk up and down these steep ramps because they are now at a much steeper angle since the water level has gone down so much. I was sad, you know, because I was watching this video showing someone taking the wheelchair of their elderly parent, mother or father, up the ramp first before going back down the steep ramp to you know, help their mother or, or father climb up the steep ramp. Isn't that ridiculous? I mean, how can this be? I'm in shock because it's never happened for all the years that I've been here. Or maybe it has, but not to the point where it's been reported about. Um, not only for a day or two, but it's been weeks now. And um, the lake itself is, you know, it's still a beautiful sight because uh, apparently now people are thinking that it's like Instagram. Uh, Instagrammable um, to to go to Samu Lake now because then you can walk on the bedrock in the bottom of the lake and and uh, take pictures with all the greenery that's already sprung up. Um, but it's still sad, and so it's turned from a beautiful mirroring, you know, mirror-like lake to a green moss bedrock grassland. And I just want to I just want to say, it's a ban. What should we do? Zum Ban. This song is by Zhang Zhenyue. Chiomo de Yewan, Sifo Ingai Man 
Is there hasn't been rain in the southern half of Taiwan for a long time now, for months now. Um, the northern part, well, yes, we've been getting some light drizzles, but um, but yeah, lately it's only just been dry days, you know, with no rain. And the south is already rationing water, um, which is really sad. And people are complaining, and I can totally understand that. Um, we actually had some kind of water rationing back in 2002, was it? When Taipei had to go through water rationing, which is rare to hear about Taipei, you know, getting, you know, having to, um, yeah, limit on the use of water. But, um, um, but the thing is, I'm starting to worry now because now that we're not getting a lot of rain, maybe we're going to have water rationing too. But I haven't heard anything yet. So, um, yeah, stay put. I'll, well, we will let you know, you know, in the news, that is. Um, not only are we not having rain, we're not having typhoons. So last year, we did not have any typhoons all over Taiwan. And so we're talking about the year 2020. And they report saying that last time that we didn't get any typhoon in a whole year was 56 years ago. 56 years ago. And... Um, you know, we just have some news yesterday, or was it today, saying that there might be a typhoon forming, but the prediction is that it probably won't affect Taiwan. There you go. See, a, a typhoon may be coming, but if it does, it's not going to bring that much rain. That's basically what it's saying. Funny how we welcome typhoons in Taiwan, you know, because our reservoirs rely on torrential rains. Rainfall is inconsistent in Taiwan, which relies heavily on its reservoirs, and we've got quite a few, but um, still, it's sad. Some of the reservoirs are 
you know, seeing rock bottom. Well, not not yet, but the water level has been so low for I don't know how long it's been. The last time that happened, but um, the thing is that the supply, uh, you know, the reservoirs supply the majority of water for households and industries, as well as thirty percent of water for irrigation, which means for farming. Yeah, farming is still a big thing in Taiwan, you know, and that's I think that's great. Yeah. Now I, I'm worried because we're planning a family trip to Nanto, Central Taiwan, in early May, and because my daughter, the one who's a nurse, you know, she already took a, a whole week off for vacation. Um, she's going to take a whole week off for vacation, like from May 10th to the 16th, and she already made reservations at a B&B. So my husband is like worried and and was saying that you know maybe like telling my daughter maybe you should make a call. Like, what happens if um, there's water rationing? It's going to be so inconvenient to vacation there, you know, because um, we're planning on a three-day, two-night trip. So, I don't know. I really want to go on this trip. I'm sure my daughter wants to go. It's like she needs a break badly. Anyway, so that's the latest from me about what's going on in Taiwan. Thank you so much for tuning in to Jukebox Republic. I'm Shirley Lin, and I am still going to say, well, it's translated into Let Things Be by Wu Kequn, but really it's saying, what should we do, what should we do? About the drought, that is. One, two, one, two, three, four. Shine 风雨过就是难解 你是孤独与同婚圣诞节是过一天清明节却过一年管他的把清明结果的像圣诞节 you for listening to Radio Taiwan International Broadcasting from Taipei, Taiwan 
Check out our website at english.rti.org.tw. Again, that's english.rti.org.tw for the latest news and features from Taiwan. You can also listen to our programs and watch videos as well. Our 60-minute English language program can also be heard every day at the following times and frequencies. In southern China and South Asia from 1600 to 1700 UTC on 9405 kHz. Again, that's in southern China and South Asia from 1600 to 1700 UTC on 9405 kHz. And in Southeast Asia from 0300 to 0400 UTC on 15320 kHz. Again, that's in Southeast Asia from 0300 to 0400 UTC on 15320 kHz. We'd love to hear from you. Please send your comments to P.O. Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Again, that's P.O. Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Or send an email to rti at rti.org.tw. Again, that's rti at rti.org.tw. Also visit us on Facebook. The address is fb.me forward slash Radio Taiwan International. Once again, on Facebook, we're located at fb.me forward slash Radio Taiwan International for videos, photos, and news of interest from Taiwan. Thank you once again for listening to Radio Taiwan International.